If I were to define God's grace, as I've done many times before, biblically speaking, I would define it as God's unmerited and undeserved favor toward us. God's unmerited and undeserved, meaning we don't deserve it and we didn't earn it, this favor of God. Or you, you could even describe it as his kindness or his goodness toward the unworthy, toward the unworthy. That would be us. We are not worthy of God's goodness, his favor, his kindness. One pastor said it this way, grace, you need it, you can't live without it, and that's really, that's what you need to come to that conclusion, you can't live without it, especially not etern eternally, you can't live without it, not with God, but even in this life, it's impossible really to live without it, live well, that is, without it, but you can't live without it, but you can't purchase it, and you can't earn it, it only ever comes by means of a gift. And when you receive it, you immediately realize how much you needed it all along. And you wonder how you could have lived so long without it. So this morning what I'm going to do as we lead up to these testimonies of God's grace, I just wanted to reflect a little bit, just a little bit on the word grace as we find it in the scriptures. And three phrases specifically, that is the gospel of the grace of God, the grace of God that has appeared, that would be the second phrase, and then the throne of grace. All of those phrases found in the scriptures. So we'll look at those briefly, quickly this morning as we prepare to hear testimonies of God's grace. Okay. So, beginning first, and I'm going to look at several scriptures, that first phrase, the gospel, the grace of God. We find that in Acts chapter 20. The scriptures will show up here on the screen, so you can just follow along up there if you'd like. Verse 22, the Apostle Paul wrote this, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Right? Suffering, suffering for the gospel. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. So we know gospel is, we could define that as good news. That's how the word is defined, the Greek term, good news or proclamation. And so really the gospel is the good news here, as it's called, of the grace of the unmerited and undeserved favor of God. It's the good news of that that Paul was making his sacrifice for to proclaim to others, even willing to suffer. He had to get this message out because it was such a glorious and necessary message for the world to hear. The unmerited and undeserved favor of God that we can have through Jesus Christ. So, of course, he's talking about salvation, right? The salvation that comes by grace alone. And we're familiar with that, aren't we? That salvation is by grace alone, yes? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But that grace one, don't skip over that too fast. It's so important. Because if it were not for grace, there would be no other words to say. There would be no faith. There would be no Christ if it were not for grace. Because we do not deserve any of it. We do not deserve the gift of faith that God gives us. And we certainly do not deserve the sacrifice of God's beloved son. By grace. By grace. And so as we read through the scriptures, 
we find that we are indeed saved by grace. It's repeated over and over and over again. So in Ephesians 2.8, there the Apostle Paul writes, For by grace, what is that? By what? By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Unmerited, undeserved favor. God's goodness and kindness to those who are unworthy. Romans 3.23 and 24 says, For all have sinned. This is what makes us unworthy. And fall short of the glory of God. And are justified or declared right before God. How? By our best effort? By our meritorious deeds? By the good things that we might do? No, but by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 10, writing to Timothy, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and what? Grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Again, in Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul writes in verses 5 and 6, He, that is God, predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious, what? Grace, with which, that is his grace, he has blessed us in the beloved. In the beloved, there is a reference to Jesus Christ. So, we glory in this gospel. It is the gospel of God's grace, of God's grace. Now, we have this other verse concerning the grace of God. This second phrase is so beautiful. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 the Apostle Paul writes this, For the grace of God has appeared, appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What do you think Paul's talking about there? What do you think he's talking about? The grace of God has appeared. What's he talking about? He's talking about the historical reality of the coming of Jesus Christ, his first coming, his birth into the world, leaving the throne rooms of heaven, coming and being born of a human, Jesus Christ. This is, as some people refer to it, grace incarnate, grace in the flesh, grace in the flesh, grace came to earth, God's grace in the divine person of Jesus Christ. He is grace. This is the gracious gift of God's Son. So, beloved, if you are united to Jesus Christ by faith, I hope, I hope many of I believe I know many of you are. I, I would hope and desire and pray all of you would be. But if you are united to this Jesus, 
this grace incarnate, then you are forever united to the grace of God. It's forever yours and flowing to you. You are connected to it by the fact that you are the beloved's through faith in him. You have this unmerited and undeserved favor of God. You're not, you're not looking to get it if you know Jesus Christ. You're not working to get it. You're not hoping it'll come someday. You have it because he is grace. He is God's grace. Isn't that wonderful? So thinking about God's grace, we have the gospel of the grace of God, which we, if we are true believers in Christ, have believed and embraced and, Lord willing, proclaimed to those who are outside and not yet been drawn near to God. We have the manifestation of God's grace in the flesh. That is our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one we have been graciously united to by faith when God sovereignly worked to draw us unto himself and grant us faith to believe and repentance to turn to the one and only one who can save us from what we so rightly deserve, which is God's wrath. Oh, God's grace. And then we have this phrase, the throne of grace. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews in verses 14 and 16 writes, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, and we are indeed a needy people, are we not? We are, we are needy because we are a weak people, and we need grace, not occasionally, but always. And we, through Christ, are able to draw near to the very throne of grace, from which grace flows eternally and forever and in abundance. And it is our privilege, by the grace of God, to draw near to the throne of grace and find there the help that we desperately need to live this life for the glory of our great God. One writer says, grace helps us in our every need. Grace is the reason behind our every deliverance. It's grace. It's grace. The Apostle Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul knew these things well and spoke of them as we've seen. But listen to these words by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 through 10. He writes, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. That was prior to his conversion, prior to Christ coming and, and redeeming him and, and calling him to himself. But, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, a changed man. 
a proclaimer now of the gospel, a defender of the church. But it wasn't because Paul was awesome or more fantastic than other people. He knew that was all a work of God's grace in his life. And he goes on to say, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Commenting on that, one author says, Paul credited the success of his ministry, as you can see, not to his own substantial labors, and they were substantial, but rather to the grace of God. It was the grace of God that changed Paul. It was the grace of God that gave him a new heart. It was the grace of God that redirected his steps. And it was the grace of God that empowered him and strengthened him and caused him to endure much suffering to proclaim this great gospel that had set him free and given him the hope of eternity in the kingdom of God. So when thinking about God's grace this morning, I, I told the speakers, as we think through these things, I told them all that they could speak about many different things, such as we just saw, like God's sanctifying grace. This is the grace that, that makes us more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It turns us away from sin and its destructiveness, and it turns us toward his righteousness and its many blessings. That's a work of God's grace in your life. We don't deserve that. We deserve the opposite. We deserve to be left to ourselves and continue down the path of destruction. But God's grace, every time God turns you away from sin, every time God turns you towards righteousness, as you see that being manifest in your life, you shouldn't be haughty, you shouldn't be proud, but you should thank God that he has done such a work and is doing such a work in your life. Or we could think of God's sustaining grace, as we read here. It's the grace that gives us strength and help that we so desperately need as we strive for our Lord and face the various difficulties and challenges of this present world. Or we could even think of God's persevering grace. His persevering grace, the grace that holds on to us. Oh, I'm thankful for this grace. It keeps us. And it keeps us from leaving or completely turning our back on our wonderful Lord. As the song says, though our hearts are prone to wander, and they are, God's grace continues to flood into our hearts and our minds and work to hold us, to keep us, to turn us back, to redirect us, to cause us to look up when we're looking down. He holds on. And it's a work of his grace because we don't deserve that either. But even when we think about God's grace, we could think about all of the good gifts that God has given us. Besides his saving grace and his sanctifying grace and his sustaining grace and his persevering grace, you just you have the grace of his good gifts. So many that he gives to us. A gift of a child, a spouse a friend or friends, the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. You ever thought about that? That's a gift, beloved. He does not leave us alone, but he calls us into a family. The gift of a good church. That's a gift, beloved. 
a gift of God that we don't deserve. The gift of a job, the gift of a home, the gift of food. Every time you eat that meal, that is a work of God's grace. Every time. He sends the rains, he causes the earth to grow and produce. And he gives you the ability to earn that you might purchase such things. All the work of his grace. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So finally, beloved, if we would take the time, and hopefully we do take the time to do this on a regular basis, if we would really take the time to reflect on God's grace in our lives, because it's multifaceted. I was telling this to the to the speakers, I said, I, when I think of grace, I think of it like a diamond, a well-cut diamond. So many sides. And every side you look at another piece of the brilliance of that stone. That's God's grace. So many sides to it. Just think about it. Meditate on it. But as you do, then you will have every reason to be thankful. Not once, not twice, but over and over and over again. Because his grace shows up in so many ways and it's given in abundance. He's not stingy with his grace to his children. Given in abundance ever flowing into our lives. Because we have been united with grace incarnate, Jesus Christ. Regardless of our circumstances, if we would but meditate on God's unmerited and undeserved favor that has been given to us, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the difficult situations you might have as you gather together for Thanksgiving meals with family this, this coming week. Huh? Remember God's grace. And give him praise for it. Give him praise. So we will begin with our, our speakers now. We will share of God's grace in their lives. We're going to have three speakers come up, one after another, and then we'll have some music in between. The band will come back up, and then we'll have another set of three speakers. A closing song, and then we'll go home. That's what we'll do. We'll go home or wherever you go. And so I won't see, I won't talk to you again from the pulpit. So I wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I love you all very much. <laughs>